0: All right, so if you have a Bible, go ahead and find Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, um, a much smaller passage today because I wanted to kind of drill down into this story that I think is a, a big transition piece for us as we move from kind of the beginnings and the escalations of persecution in the book of Acts. You uh, learned from Noah last week that that persecution expanded all the way to the stoning of Stephen. And I just want to say thank you to Noah for... Uh, teaching that passage uh, there's a lot to cover and he covered a lot and so uh, I'm grateful <clears throat> for his time with you guys last week also just want to say while I'm, I'm extending gratitude I think I can speak on behalf of <clears throat> Rasha and myself when I say thank you guys for your prayers while we were gone last week um we missed you um and we are glad to be back. And I pray that by God's grace, uh, we both were used to, to serve and to encourage and to minister uh, to our brothers and sisters in uh, various kinds of situations that we, we were able to, to go and serve them. So today we're picking up the story of Philip, thinking about what happens when the people of God are prayerfully led by the Holy Spirit. Now, again, the context of where we are is persecution has dispersed believers out of Jerusalem. So the church had been growing, had been proclaiming the gospel, had been exalting the risen Christ. The persecution of the Jewish leadership and the ultimate death of Stephen caused a massive exodus, if you will, from Jerusalem to the surrounding areas. We learned last week about Philip's success in Samaria, but we're going to see what happens Next, and we're going to see that from this beautiful story about a believer running after an outcast, a foreigner, a eunuch, all these names, all these words that we read about just now in Isaiah 56. and we'll see what happens when he's met with the Word of God and the Spirit of God. So let's read the text and uh, think through what we will see there. And I'll just say by way of uh, just recognition, if you were with us about you know five, six weeks ago. Uh, we studied this passage at First Baptist Opelika um, to get ready for See You at the Pole. And so uh, the big idea there was just kind of a life on mission. That's still the the theme of this passage. Uh, That doesn't change just because the location changes. Uh, But I will kind of drill down more deeply into some things we didn't have time for. So if you're thinking, man, this really sounds familiar, that's good. We need to be reminded of those things that should be familiar to us, but we also will get more together. So let's read Acts 8, starting in verse 26. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Just pray again before we go any further. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for this day. And we pray that you would open up your word and open up our eyes to see and behold the glories of Jesus and the good news of the gospel, and the power that it has to take those who are far off and bring them near. We pray that we all would be reminded of these wonderful truths this morning and be encouraged by them and spurred on to faithfulness in them. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we begin with Philip and the eunuch. We need to know who these characters are. We need to know what's going on. We need to kind of understand the context so that we understand what is Luke trying to tell us when we read this story. So, You met Philip, we met Philip all the way back in Acts chapter 6. Remember the story of the the Greek-speaking believers and the Hebrew-speaking believers? There was a dispute among them, and the Greek-speaking widows were being uh, not properly treated. And so the answer to that problem, the answer to that possible division in the church, was to find seven men full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, full of good repute among the people. And the first one that was listed, or one of the first ones that was listed, was Philip. He was a faithful servant in the church in Jerusalem. Now, last week you saw, because of that dispersion, uh, Philip found himself in Samaria and he's proclaiming the gospel there. He's telling people about Jesus and he's seeing a great success. He's seeing great fruit, right? He's proclaiming Christ and people are believing in Christ. I mean, this is exactly what he wants to do. And so he's finding a lot of favor. He's finding a lot of success. He's finding a lot of fruitfulness in the ministry that he's been given at this point. And then seemingly out of nowhere, an angel of the Lord says, hey, I need you to leave. I need you to leave this place and I need you to go to the desert. So I need you to go from where you are, Samaria, which is not far from Jerusalem, a little bit to the north. I need you to go south and to the west to Gaza, to a desert place. Now, if you've been watching the news at all, you, you may have a good idea of where the difference is between Jerusalem and Gaza. They're, they're They're not that far apart in the grand scheme of things, but they're a couple of days journey if you're going on foot. And so uh, Philip rises and leaves. Now, you might think, well, of course he would rise and leave, but I mean, consider what he's leaving. He's leaving the city. He's leaving the people that he knows. He's leaving the fruitfulness of a powerful ministry that he's witnessed so far, and he's being asked to go into the wilderness into the desert, into a place where you're not really sure to find too many people. But Philip is not primarily looking for success. Philip is primarily pursuing faithfulness. He knows that the wilderness with the Spirit of God is better than the fruitfulness and the busyness and the success of life in the city without the Spirit. So he goes, and on the road he meets an Ethiopian. So we, so we know who Philip is. We, we already get the kind of person that Philip is. He's faithful. He is uh, God-honoring. He's able to proclaim Jesus. And now we meet an Ethiopian, a eunuch and an exalted person. He's the treasurer of the kingdom of Ethiopia, serving in the court of Candace the queen. Well, because of that, we know some things, right? He's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. He's black. He is a different skin color than everyone else there. And he's a eunuch, meaning the ability to have children has been taken away from him. So not to be crass, but to use a biblical phrase, he's been cut off. And that's important to this story, so keep that in mind. There's a reason why Luke wants you to know this man is not just a Gentile. He's not just a foreigner. He's not just African. He's a eunuch. He's been humbled in a very incredibly intense way, but he did so for a kind of worldly exaltation. In royal courts, in that day and age, often the male servants would be eunuchs. They would be unable to have children, and that was a way to protect the royal family. That was a way to show loyalty. There was a lot of reasons why they did that, but it was at a great cost. There was a kind of humiliation involved. And there was a kind of uh, eyes of the a kind of perspective from the world that would now been, have been given towards them because of that decision that they'd made. In every sense of the word in that culture, and especially in Israel, this man was an outcast. An outcast. But the text tells us he was in Jerusalem, verse 27, to worship. This eunuch, this Ethiopian, this Gentile, this foreigner, he had come to Israel to worship. He was familiar with the God of Israel and apparently familiar enough that he's reading the prophet Isaiah. He has the scriptures. He's seeking the truth. And the reality is, according to Deuteronomy 23, we don't have time to turn there, but he was not allowed, because he was a eunuch, he was not allowed to enter into the assembly of the Lord. He wasn't allowed to enter into the temple. So we have this man who who wants to know the truth, but because of who he is, because of where he's come from, because of the things that he's done, he's, he's barred. He's unable to actually go into the temple court. He's actually not able to go and worship as he may even want to worship. So he's trying, but in a very real sense, according to the way that Israel is set up, he's locked out from God's presence. And so the spirit tells Philip, you go to him you go over to him. And Philip finds this eunuch reading the scroll of Isaiah out loud. So Philip asks him about what he's reading. Do you understand, Philip asks? Like, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what's going on in the story of Isaiah in his prophecies? Do you understand what the word is that the spirit of God has inspired for you to read and to know and to believe? And the eunuch's answer is vital for us To hear, look again at verse 31. He said, how can I unless someone guides me? You and I have seen this in the book of Acts over and over. And here it is again, not just in the events that the spirit of God pours out his power, but even in his very word, there is a need for interpretation. So so it's not to say that you and I can't open up our Bibles and read it and understand it. But it is to say, it is a good and wise thing for us to surround ourselves with people who understand this word to help us, to guide us. It's why we have spiritual fathers and mothers. And I pray for many of you, it's your actual fathers and mothers. But we have older brothers and older sisters in the body of Christ who can come alongside us just like Philip did to give us understanding for what we do not understand. So this is the scene that we set. Philip is getting into the chariot to help him understand the scriptures, to ask this eunuch, what does he think about these things? But as I mentioned a few weeks ago, it shouldn't be lost on us. The, 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 the issues of the religious leaders, the persecution that the church has faced, the stoning of Stephen in the middle of Jerusalem, even the work and crucifixion and resurrection and ascension of Jesus has just happened. So where was the eunuch? Like, how does he not know that these things have happened? How does he not know about Jesus? How does he not know that the Messiah has actually come? Here's a man who has the scriptures, who's been reading, who's been studying, who knows some things, but apparently has just missed the most important thing that's ever happened. How is it? that the eunuch can leave from Jerusalem and not have heard about Jesus, not have heard about Stephen, not have heard about the day of Pentecost. How can he be so close to all of these things and yet so far away reading Isaiah and going, I don't know what I'm reading. I think that's helpful for us to see and to sit with because the reality is you and I are surrounded by people who are in a very similar situation. You go to class, you're on sports teams, you're in band, you go to a club, you have a job, you're a part of a family with people just like this eunuch who are surrounded by the truth of the gospel and yet do not know it and do not believe it. And you, you, if you're honest, you might look at them and say, how have you missed it? How have you not seen? How have you not heard? How have you not believed? And yet... The reality is you are surrounded by people who live in a culture that do not have the truth. They do not believe in Jesus. And perhaps by the leading of the Holy Spirit, you are in their life to ask them a similar kind of question. Hey, do you understand what's going on? Hey, have you heard this news? Have you heard of Jesus? Do you know That there's a a man who came to bring salvation for sinners? Do, Do you know what any of those words even mean? Do you understand what the scriptures say? Do you know even what you're looking for? So let's see what happens next. Verse 32. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer, is silent. Literally, that phrase is like a lamb before the ones who cut him is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So we move now from the characters in a human perspective to the big ideas of what's going on with the Word and the Spirit. If you're taking notes, the second kind of theme or section is the Word and the Spirit. The Spirit has been leading Philip this whole time to go to this eunuch, to talk to this eunuch, to ask him these questions, and now he's bringing him to the scriptures to share Jesus. The Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah 53. He's reading a passage of scripture that talks about what we call the suffering servant. It's this Israelite man who will suffer on behalf of God's people as a substitute. He'll be slaughtered, he'll be pierced, he'll be cut off from his people so that they, the sinners, might be saved. Now the eunuch who is reading this passage and the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 have some considerable overlap. Two of these men, both the suffering servant and the eunuch, have gone through a great humiliation that has led to a kind of exaltation. Second, they both come before a shearer, literally the one who cuts him. And that's certainly, as a eunuch, you're reading this and you go, well, that sounds familiar. I know what that's like to go before someone who will cut me and humiliate me for a certain purpose. And third, both of their cutting is held together or it's related to their ability to procreate or their ability to have children. That's why when you look at verse 33, it says, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? That phrase doesn't mean who can describe the generation around him, like Gen Z or millennials. It's who can describe those who will come from him. The answer is because no one will come from him because he's been cut off. Again, if you're the eunuch reading this, you're going, this sounds very familiar. It sounds like my life. So in this passage, the eunuch is trying to make sense of this person. And he's saying, who is he talking about? Is he talking about himself, the prophet, Isaiah? Is he talking about something else? He doesn't understand. And in that moment, filled with the Holy Spirit, Philip began with that scripture and told him what Luke says is, the good news about Jesus. Students, the Spirit of God will always lead us to the Word of God. The Spirit of God will always lead us to the word of God. And when the word of God is opened and read and studied and discussed and prayed and proclaimed, the spirit is at work, even right now. So like on Sundays, when we open up the Bible and we read and we study, when we go into the the sanctuary to hear Pastor Brian preach the Bible, when that happens, every time the spirit is at work. And he's not at work in some kind of general, I'm doing something in the church kind of way. He is, but he's also doing work in your life and in your life and in your life and in your life. He is at work in you when the word is open. So don't miss the point. The eunuch is hearing this word and he's being led to Jesus. We hear this word every week, and I pray we bring you to Jesus. And the goal is to get to what is most important in the Bible, which is that you and I would know the Lord God in the person and work of his son Jesus by the illuminating, regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. So he opens our eyes to behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Philip is doing with the eunuch. So, so you've heard me say this before. The book of Acts is going to teach us how to read the Bible. So when we read Acts and we see how the believers in Acts use Scripture, it's helping us to know how to use the Scriptures. Philip isn't using the Scriptures to go to the eunuch and say, look how much knowledge I have. It's so much more than you. Aren't I amazing? No, it's we have to get you to Christ. We have to get you to Christ. Jesus, We want you to see the glory of God. So the question is, if you open your Bible, can you get to Jesus? If you, if you open up your Bible to a page, can you lead someone else to the Christ? Can you get from whatever story you're reading or psalm that you're meditating on or proverb that you're considering and show them how this whole book is pointed in his direction. I don't say that to discourage you. I don't say that to say, man, you better get with it and get your act together and start studying the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this to encourage you. If you have the Spirit of God within you, dwelling in you, if you are walking in the fullness of the Spirit, then the one who inspired that Bible is working in you, opening your eyes. And so the answer to the question, can you get to Jesus, is yes. Of course I can, because he's at work in me. It's going to take time. It's going to take discipline and study. It's going to take a whole lot of dependence. But if you have the spirit, you can use the word rightly to get to Christ. And so here's what Philip is doing. Philip is going to Isaiah 53, and he's talking to the eunuch. And we have to use some sanctified speculation here, because all we hear in this text is he opened his mouth and beginning with, This scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So we don't know exactly what he said. But I wonder if he said something like like this. Mr. Eunuch, the one who you're reading about in this chapter of the prophet Isaiah is known as the suffering servant. He's one who will be pierced and crushed and cut off from his people. And in that, he is gonna have some things taken from him. He's humiliated. He's going to be a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He's going to stand in the place of sinners and take their punishment and take their wrath. He's going to be cast out from his own people. He's going to be derided and misunderstood and ridiculed and in worldly ways, they're going to be real things taken away from him. Because he's cut off, because his life is taken away from the earth, he's not gonna be able to have children. He doesn't have a legacy for himself like most men would want to have in our culture. And Mr. Eunuch, I think you understand that, right? You know what it's like to be cut off. You know what it's like to be an outcast. You know what it's like to give up these things. You know what it's like to feel like your own life has been taken away because your future, your legacy has been taken away. But let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is not just this suffering servant, but he's the son of God. He's the Christ. He's the one who we call the Messiah. And he's come to make a way for sinners like you and me to, to first of all, really know the, the depths of our need that apart from him, we are doomed to die an eternal death. And our legacy is not one of life. It's one of destruction and pain and suffering and the wrath of God. But what seems like a defeat for the suffering servant is actually the victory of God. When he is cut off from the earth, when he uh, dies, he does not stay dead. We believe that Jesus rose from the grave, that he ascended into heaven, and so now what this text means when you go read this prophet Isaiah that says, "Who can describe his generation?" He's no longer talking about the lack of a legacy. He's talking about what our father Abraham was promised, which is a a lineage of sons and daughters that the stars can't even compare to. Who can describe this generation? It's all those who will come to faith in Christ. His legacy is multitudinous and amazing and glorious because all those who have faith in Christ are in Christ. And so even those like you who can be far off now, if you would believe in Jesus, you can be brought near. And that same Jesus whose life was taken away from the earth in death, now we worship him because his life is taken away from the earth, not below but above. We believe that our Christ has ascended to heaven and he now lives forever. So he's not here right now. We can't see him right now, but we confess and believe that he is our king, that he is our Lord, that that suffering servant took our place so that we can have life instead of death, so that we don't have to be cut off anymore. We can be brought near into the family of God. What do you think about that? Well, we know what the eunuch thought about that. Look at verse 36. Verse 36. So we've seen the word and the spirit at work. And that leads to number three, life in the spirit. In this outcast from Ethiopia, the one who was cut off physically, we see the spirit drawing him, wooing him, opening his eyes and giving him life in Christ. The one who was cut off supremely for us and for our salvation. He turned from his old life and wanted to be identified not with the Ethiopians, not with the eunuchs, not with the Gentiles, not with the foreigners, not even with the Jews. He wants to be identified with Jesus through his baptism. That's repentance. That's turning from sin and self. That's faith. That's believing in Christ. And notice in verse 39, as Philip is carried away supernaturally and the eunuch saw him no more, what is his response? It's joy. It's rejoicing. It's no longer confusion. It's no longer being an outcast. It's no longer being cut off from his people. It's joy in Jesus. He now knows the author of life. And in him, he now has eternal life. He now has the forgiveness of sins. He now has the hope of heaven. He now has a hope that when he proclaims the gospel, the promise of a legacy of furthering on a name has now been given back to him. It's just not his name anymore he now gets to propel forward for generations to come a better name, the name of Jesus. And he's armed with the word of God and the spirit of God as he goes back to his country. And if he keeps reading Isaiah, he'll see that he's now been sent out to be a lighthouse to the nations so that they might see the glory and the goodness of God that he has now seen. But we also look to Philip who shared this gospel, who witnessed this miracle, then was carried away by the Spirit to Azotus, a town miles to the west and on the Mediterranean coast. And it says that he goes north to Caesarea, preaching the gospel in every town. So we find ourselves as we finish out this message, the Spirit leading Philip through a clear command. Right, he begins by saying, go towards the south, go to Gaza, the desert place. And Philip obeys. Then the Spirit places Philip somewhere out of nowhere, right? He comes up out of the water, and boom, he's an azotus. Some kind of supernatural teleportation. We don't really know how to explain it. He was one place, then he was a different place. It wasn't really up to Philip at all. It was all up to the Spirit. And then the Spirit doesn't seem to give Philip any more instructions. But Philip thinks about, prays about, discerns what is the most faithful thing I can do. Well, Caesarea is up to the north and they need the gospel. So why don't I make a plan to go that way? And as I go north in all of these towns, I'll just keep doing what I've been doing, which is proclaiming Christ, sharing the gospel. Sometimes in your life in mine, what life in the spirit looks like is taking clear opportunities to be faithful. You read the passage of scripture, you see a need in front of you and you go, this is so clear, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what the Lord is calling me to do. Sometimes it looks like finding yourself in places that you'd never expect. You thought you were gonna be here, but you're over here. You thought you were gonna go to this school, but now you're at that school. You thought you were gonna be with these friends, but now you're with those friends. You thought you were gonna be on this sports team, but now you're not on any sports team. Sometimes unexpected things put put you in places you didn't expect. And sometimes it looks like just being in the dark and not knowing exactly what's next. But in every instance for Philip, he helps us to see what's right for us. We all can lean into the word, speak to God in prayer, and depend on the power of his spirit. Knowing that we have the same message that Philip had, the message of Jesus. It's the message of the Bible. It's the message of the book of Acts. It's the message of Philip. It's the message that we give to our neighbors, the message that we give to our loved ones, that if you would come to Jesus you can have life. And I don't know much, but I, I know this. If you would come to Christ in faith, you can have life. So that's the encouragement that we have today as we spend time in our groups together. My hope and my prayer is that we would think about what does being on mission mean for a people who have a clear message, who know the end of the story and have seen examples like that of Philip? What, what does that look like for you this week to be on mission. You're not necessarily a missionary in the sense that you're crossing over the ocean or crossing over a language barrier or going into a place where the church or the gospel is not really present. But all of us as Christians have received a great commission to go and make disciples. So what does it look like to be faithful to that mission this week? How does Jesus being cut off for our sake help us interpret and deal with hardships as they come in our life. What some might look at as a great humiliation, we know in Christ leads to his exaltation. So, so what does it mean about hardship and suffering for us if we know that there's a God who is sovereign over these things? And I hope and pray that you would take some time to discuss how have you witnessed the Spirit at work in your life Recently? Sometimes the spirit's work in the story is painfully obvious. Sometimes the spirit's work in the story is very under the radar, but he is always at work. And he's always at work in your life. And my hope and prayer then is that you would also spend time thinking about what are ways that you can grow in your ability to get to Christ with the scriptures? How can we grow as believers who can wield the sword of the spirit faithfully?